We're going to continue our series this morning on being real from Matthew chapter 23, the woes uh, that Jesus um, announces to the Pharisees in their behavior. And we're um, also going to be jumping over to Mark 7. Uh, 1 through 23. Um, so you can put your finger in the Bible into those two places. Um, I know you look at the sermon outline and you wondered whether or not Pastor Nick was preaching this morning and not Pastor Scott. Um, just trying some different things out and how I structure some things. I, I hope that uh, um, I don't distract you too much with some of those changes, but uh, I hope that God uses um, what he has given me this morning to be a blessing to you as we spend time in God's word. Let's pray for his presence and power in our time. God, you are good. We praise you for your goodness. We were reminded in the, of that goodness in baptism this morning, being reminded that your love, you never let go of us. You never give up on us. You always, Lord, work in us, are present in us. Show your love to those around us that they might be an encouragement to us. And Father, as we think this morning about what goes on in our hearts and goes on in the insides and how that translates to our outsides, what it means to live, uh, Lord, out of a hypocritical life and into a life, Lord, that is your presence governs. May we wonder. Wonder what sort of hard heart work and hard work that we need to be a part of as your spirit works in us, that we can be your presence and that we can experience your presence and we can be your presence to the world around us because Lord, even as we see this whole political landscape that we're in as we think about just some of the conflicts in the world, Lord, there is uh, so much a need for your presence. So much a need for you to be carried by people who love you, know you, and walk with you into a world that is dark and needs light. Lord, may we be light. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I need a volunteer for the beginning of my message, and here's the caveat for my volunteer. I need a volunteer who knows what chaos day is and has experienced it in the last four years. Is there anybody who would be willing to volunteer knowing what chaos day is and has participated in it in the last four years? Anyone? I need a volunteer. You, ne- you always missed it. Never been. This is the Calvin golf team, by the way. Men's and ladies golf team. They are with us. They all know what chaos day is. And sir, you've never been there. That messes up my whole sermon. Thanks, guys. I will help you understand what chaos day is. I don't need you people, all right? I don't need you. Here's what chaos day is. When you go to Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where these folks are, I'm an alumnus of there. My daughter is there. All of you know that. In the fall, in September, they have this thing called Chaos Day. 
And Chaos Day is a day where they invite all the folks who live on campus to the series of competitions and activities and games where you get fired up about your dorm community or your apartment community. You do all these games and activities together for the purpose of building community, feeling a sense of belonging, having some fun, and sharing some competition. Is that basically what it is? Right, guys. And it's a very clean day. And clean, I mean, you come home very clean and sanitary. Not at all, right? It's, it's a mud day, actually, generally. There's mud or there's dirt. You're painting your face. You're getting all uh, dressed up in crazy, crazy costumes. It's a day, really, where when you go, you anticipate coming back pretty filthy and sweaty. Is that fair? That's, that's fair. Okay. So if you're going to go to Chaos Day and you have an issue with being dirty... There's a problem. Because you're going to have to literally sit on the edge of everything, not participate, not engage, and not be a part of something that, at least according to my daughter, because I was too cool when I was at Calvin to go, my daughter who loved it, she talks about how much fun this is. If you're going to be worried about staying clean and sanitary, you're going to sit on the sidelines and you're going to miss all this great stuff that's going on. If that's your concern for your outsides, then you're going to miss what is available to you on your inside. The joy, the happiness, the fun, the memories, all the experiences of being in this great, highly energized, greatly organized, with lots of fun stuff, activity that God can bless you with. In our passage from Matthew 23 This morning, we have a group of people who, in essence, are sitting on the sidelines. These are a group of people, the Pharisees, who God has invited into all this great stuff. And yet, they're so worried about, we use the word, the biblical word, cleanliness, that they miss out on what God is calling them to engage in. Matthew chapter 23, and it's at verse 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup, and then the outside also will be clean. Now, this passage this morning comes out of a desire of the Pharisees. Now, remember, we've talked about the Pharisees. They have a desire to try to get it right. Because when the Israel got it wrong, they were exiled. They were punished. They didn't obey the law. They didn't do all the things in the Old Testament that God called them to do. And there was consequence. They want to get it right. So when it comes to cleanliness, they want to get it right. And cleanliness is one of those calls of God in the law, right? You hear in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, all the Old Testament stuff about how God wanted his people to be clean. He wanted them to be, in a sense, 
pure before him with their behavior. In their behavior and the activities that they were doing and how they went about that, those activities, God was calling them to be unique. And there was a couple reasons for that. First of all, when it comes to things like ceremonial washing, when it comes to things like sores that you had, and that's one of probably one of the more disturbing Old Testament law passages when it describes all the different kinds of sores. Maybe you've read that. I can't remember where exactly it is. I want to say it's, that's in Leviticus where it describes all these, these sores and how you deal with them so you're not unclean. It's pretty gross stuff, but there's a reason for that. It makes sense. It's sanitary. It means that if you deal with these things in a way that God calls you to, that you are less prone to things like infection or disease or spreading bacteria. If you wash your hands, right, you're less prone to get sick. That's what we tell our kids all the time. Right? It's one of the reasons why they have all these signs in every restaurant, in every school bathroom. Wash your hands. Why? Because obviously you can carry bacteria and make yourself and other people sick. And that's not a good idea. Just ask Chipotle right now, right? With all their challenges with norovirus and food poisonings and things like that. We want things to be clean and God wants those things too. So there was a, a sanitary part of it. But another reason why cleanliness was important was that God was calling, and he says this over and over again in the Old Testament, I want you to be a set-apart people. I want you to be a unique people. And as you live into my law, as you live in obedience to my law, you are a set-apart people. You are unique. And certainly, when you, uh, when you think about Jerusalem in the day of Jesus, the Pharisees were a set-apart and unique people. They had done that really, really well. They had done that in how they dressed. They'd done that in their activities. These folks were, in a sense, in one sense, getting it right with being a set-apart people. And they, in their activities around cleanliness, of washing the bowl, of washing the cup, of making sure it was clean, they were really doing a good job at living that out. But of course, there was a problem. They had taken it where it shouldn't go. To the Pharisees, being clean had moved beyond being one of God's people. It now became something else. It became a standard. A standard which was used to measure not yourself and not your own heart, but measure others. Look at what happens in Mark chapter 7. Look at that verse there that I gave to you in your outline. You can turn over in your scriptures as well and maybe mark it up. It says this in Mark 7 chapter 5. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food, food with the filed hands? Now it wasn't about their inward heart. They were using it as a standard to measure others. Why don't other people do what we do? We're holy. We're set apart. We're clean. Why not them? In fact, because they don't, they're not in a relationship with us. 
They're not in community with us. We don't accept them. The Pharisees had moved beyond God's calling when it came to cleanliness. Now, how do we think about this in our own lives? What person, what makes a person dirty to us? How do we look around at the world that we live in and see other people according to our standards of cleanliness? We, we can look at people and we can use things like history. Well, you did, went down these roads. You've done these things. You've been a part of these activities. You are a recovering this. You did that when you were way back when. That can certainly be one of those things. If you don't wonder that, go to a, um, a school reunion, right? If you go to a school reunion, how are you gauged? You are gauged by what you were then, right? And that standard is something in which we still treat some of those people. I know that's one of the reasons why I don't go back to my own reunions. (laughs) Because I know what I was when I was in high school and college. And frankly, I don't want people to gauge me on that standard. Because it was messy and it was ugly. But then there's more things that we use to gauge people. Are they an addiction? And what's the addiction? If they're addicted to gossip, eh, that's tough, that, but that's okay. But they're, if they're addicted to porn, mm, unclean, separation, alcohol, drugs. We all have our own standards, gambling. If they're addicted to being angry, how do we see that? All of these things are standards by which we can use to judge others. What about their different opinions? We don't have a problem with that right now in our country, do we? Think about how we separate. I mean, the last 24 hours, even in Chicago, has just been disturbing. Because when we have those standards of you need to be like us, agree with us, think like us, otherwise there's a problem, it separates. Those standards become separators in the body of Christ and in the world that we live in. And Christ is calling us to something else. He's calling us to not worry about the outsides of the cup. He's making it clear that what's inside of us matters. Because the challenge is is that we all have lots of little messes inside us that we can ignore. But they can pour out. They can pour out of us When we have stuff inside that we haven't allowed God's presence to come in and transform, eventually it will show. We see that in Mark 7, 15. We see what it's, it's it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. It's what comes out of us. And if we haven't dealt with our insides, then there's trouble. This is intensely personal to me because this exact stuff changed my life. I've shared with you a little bit in the past about my dad. And my dad was somebody for a long time who dealt with the outside of the cup. 
The outside of the cup looked good. A master's degree in social work. He was a director for a county in social work. He did a lot of good things in the church and in the community. He was a person that people constantly came to for help. I can remember my kitchen table over and over again having people sitting at it, talking with my mom, my dad, mostly my dad, asking for guidance, seeking help, seeking encouragement, seeking ways to fix the messes in their life. But nobody knew what was going on in the inside. And it was ugly. What was going on in the inside of my father was sin, and sin had gotten a hold of him. And it began to show. It showed in affairs. It showed in activities that he was a part of that hurt my mother, hurt their marriage, and deeply hurt us as children. I remember the first time that I walked into my parents' room and found a magazine. And I can never ever forget that day. And I long for it to be gone. But that. What was inside my dad. Came out. And as it came out it. Changed his world from one of. Holiness and obedience to Christ. To brokenness. And. Hurt. For he and his family, and the people that he loved. And the interesting part is that for my dad to work on the inside took years. About 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more now, time flies, right? He ended up divorcing my mom and leaving, and he went into literally a wilderness. There is a part of eastern Ontario, Canada that he went into, about 120 acres of wooded forest with a little house on it, and for basically about 18 months, two years, he disappeared there. And me and my family, we would have contact with him about maybe once every three weeks, once a month, making sure that dad was okay. But at this time, I was really, really angry. I wanted to go. In fact, at one point, I was going to go, and me and my dad were going to go behind the barn, if you know what I'm saying. God didn't allow that to happen. God be praised for that. It wouldn't have been good. But at the end of that time, my dad came out of the wilderness. And he came to us as kids and he said, I need your forgiveness because my outsides were okay, but my insides were a mess. And I know that my insides hurt you and impacted you and broke you in many ways. I have a good relationship with my dad now. I have what I believe to be a healthy one. We talk about his insides a whole lot more. I pray about his insides a whole lot more, and I know he does too. And the outside really doesn't matter much anymore. And I give God praise for that because if his outsides were a mess, but his insides are okay, I'm all right with that because I know what happens when it's the other way. And I don't want that for him, nor do I... Does God want that for all of us? 
As we look back in the word and see what God is challenging and putting in front of the Pharisees and his disciples about inside work for us to think what's going on here. What, what is God calling me to on the inside? He puts this challenge in front of the Pharisees. And he says to them, is, it's God's presence in you. Is God's presence in you transforming you and making your heart and your mind clean? Because if your insides are transformed clean, It will show. What does it say there in Matthew 23 verse 26? It says this, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Don't even worry about the outside, in essence, is what he's saying. Don't even get consumed by the way you dress, how much you wash, all the things that you do that are obedience to my law. Allow me to come in and transform this because if I'm present in you, Pharisee, then you won't do, can't do, or you will be incapable of doing anything on the outside that doesn't jive with your inside. He's saying, worry about this. Focus here, inside of the cup. Because when Christ comes to the inside of the cup and he overflows, that overflowing washes and makes clean the outside. Clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then the outside will also be clean. Christ is calling the Pharisees to neglect even the outside so that the inside can be his. Don't worry about that. It takes energy. It takes focus. Allow me to be present. Invite me in. Allow me to come in and make you new. Because I make all things new. I am light. This is dark. I'll come in when I come in and bring my light. The darkness will be overwhelmed. This is broken, but I am the one who makes new and mends and repairs and transforms. Allow me to come in and I will make this new. And then the rest of it, the rest of the stuff that the rest of the world worries about because you're not even focused on that anymore. You're focused on this. They're going to be able to see this and that's more beautiful far than anything that you could have put outside of yourself. If I'm on the inside flowing out, they're seeing Christ. But if it's you on the outside, all they're seeing is you. Which do you think is more beautiful? Which do you think is more transformative to the world? Which do you think brings more light? Your outside work that you've done and accomplished or Christ's inside work that overflows from you? How are your insides? You're sitting here. You know your insides. You're having that internal conversation right now. You're thinking about ways and places where inside work either was done, is being done, or should be done, right? We're thinking about Friday night. 
We're thinking about Tuesday morning. We're thinking about those places and spaces. Maybe those secrets. Maybe those dark things. Maybe those judgments. Maybe those internal whispers and conversations that happen when we open up our social media or watch the news. We're thinking about those insides. How are your insides? Are you judgmental? It's hard not to be sometimes if we watch the news, right? Try to watch CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or what other sort of junk you watch. And try not to be judgmental. Are you? Guess what? That's inside work. That's inside work that we need Christ to come in and clean the inside of the cup more. Are you angry? Anyone here have an anger issue? I'm going to put my head up, hand up really tall. You know who actually, unfortunately, bears the brunt of my anger? My dogs. They bark and they hear it from me. They wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning and then they really hear it from me. But it's where my anger comes out. And I have it. That's a place where I need the inside of the cup to be cleaned, to be cleansed, to be renewed. Because then, if the inside is cleansed, the anger no longer is there to be shown to my dogs, poor Kobe and Shadow, nor to my wife, nor to my children, nor to my neighbors and my coworkers. I need this cleaned. Are you anxious? Do you live in anxiety all the time? Is that something that consumes your inside and you're worried, you're fearful because of these little ones that God has put into your life or the older ones that God has put into your life or the neighbors or the co-workers that there's tension or challenge with or family members that you continue to try to work through and you're, that consumes your heart sometimes. We can be anxious we can be anxious about accomplishment. There's some of you who are graduating this year. That's not a time of anxiety at all, is it? What's the future hold? What is, what's going to happen next? And that anxiety is inside stuff that as it governs us, it overflows. And Christ is saying to us, allow me to come in and cleanse and transform this anxiety to faith and trust and hope that I have plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for hope and a future. And I know that's a proof text taken out of context. I understand that. But I still need that truth sometime to remind me that my future is his. I don't have to be anxious. Here's a big one. Do you feel unworthy? And do you feel weak? Confession, that's, that's where I've been probably more so in the last three or four months. I have felt unworthy of God's love. I've known my weaknesses and my frailty. And that consumes, it comes out comes out of my lack of ability sometimes to engage in the things that God has for me because I don't think I'm capable of doing it. I don't think that God has equipped me or strengthened me enough to do it. Instead of me hearing in my heart and my mind, my grace is sufficient. I'm enough for you. I will give you everything that you need. I need to hear that in my heart. The inside work the cup being cleansed. 
here's a question. Do you long for joy and faith to govern your life? Do you long for that? How many of you actually long for joy and faith to govern your life? Of course, we're not going to put up our hand. Maybe we don't do it with our hand. Maybe we do it mentally. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. It's inside work. That's God coming in, being allowed in to transform us to joy, to faith, to hope, to trust, to love, to grace. All those things that we long to transmit to the world around us. It's inside work. Christ offers us new hearts that he makes clean. And this is what transforms the outside. Romans 12, 2. One of those verses that every single one of us should have memorized. That whole first couple verses of Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Inside work. Transforming work in us. God coming to us and saying, I am making you new. I have given you all good things. I have given you in your word promise after promise after promise. I have shown you here in this thing that I am God and I am with you and I will never let you go. I have shown you in the cross of Christ that I, this is my plan. This is your hope. This is all you need. I want you to hear people. God is saying to us, this is always sure. Live into that. Allow my presence and my promises that I've made and have never ever broken. Allow those things to govern this inside work, this inside stuff. You got fear? I come and I answer it. You've got weakness? I come and I strengthen it. You've got addiction? I come and I meet you in it to transform it over time in the way, in the shape that I want to for my glory so that the world can see your insides shining out through you. That's your outside. That's your new reality. Okay, pastor, give me a compelling message. I need to do inside work. How do I do that? There's a lot of ways. You, You could be in your Bibles more. You can be in prayer more. Tomorrow morning you could wake up and for 45 minutes search out a podcast that reminds you of who God is. But I'm going to give you this morning one simple thing and then Beth is going to lead us as we practice it. It's a song. It's a simple song that the nice part is is the tune is really catchy. Some of you already sing it. Holy Spirit You are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overwhelmed by your presence. 
Lord. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. How many of you got a full day? Not going on. I do. I wake up, I get in the shower. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I get in my car, I drive my kids to school, a guy cuts me off. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I hit a great first shot at Torrey Pines and I shank the next one into the water. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I get, have to go to a funeral. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Living into that truth. Being reminded, allowing our minds to be renewed. Because as our minds are renewed, as the tears come and as a funeral, as the curse words come on the fourth fairway, as the bad thoughts are there on the street behind that guy who cut me off, God's presence is welcome. Come, make this Make this, make this and this new. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, be present. Come, make me new. It's what I long for. It's what I long for. Let's pray. Father, our insides have so much going on. There are places, Lord, where we know you reign. You reign in us. There are things that you have already done, activities that we've already experienced, changes and transformations that we've already known. And we give you praise because you have shown your presence to us. But we, Lord, also acknowledge That we need more of your presence. We long to be overwhelmed in places that are dark, in places that are unsure, in places that are weak. We long, Lord, to be overwhelmed with your presence because we know if it's our capacity to make us new, we're in trouble. We can't do this, but you can. And we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you, Son of God, Jesus Christ. We welcome you, Father, creator of the universe. Come be present. Come in our hearts and in our minds. Make us new. Make us different. Make us change. Not just because, Lord, we long for more of you. That's that's awesome, Lord. We do long for more of you. We want more of you in our lives. But Also because we want the rest of the world to see more of who you are on our insides so that, Lord, they may want that. They might have the same longings we do. You might show them that power and presence in the same way that transforms them, renews their mind. That's a spiritual act of worship, Lord, that we can give unto you. And Lord, we welcome you into us that we can be transformed. It's you who will do it and you alone. We pray these things in the strength and the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen.